1: Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to The John Com Report. Wherever you get your podcast. you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Well, today I told you I was going to be joined by ESPN draft analyst Jordan Reed. Well, we had to change the schedule around a little bit because he was unavailable to tape on Tuesday, so we pushed it back to later in the week, and I'll run that early next week. But I will bring him on to go over the commander's draft and kind of get you an outside perspective, a national perspective of the players that Washington selected and in everything that goes along with that. So today I want to bring you an audio interview that I did with Ron Rivera. And so if you watch it on YouTube, you can still listen to it here. Um, It's seven and a half minutes long and it's all about Sam Howell. And I wanted to, it was the basis of the story I wrote on ESPN.com over the weekend, explaining to people who still, I think, were surprised that they're really going with Sam Hall. Well, yeah, and here's why. And so we get into all that with Rivera. Just understand that we shot, I, I recorded this in a hotel lobby out in Arizona at the owners meetings. So we're sitting on a little couch, and at one point, Rivera's voice gets a little bit fainter, but you can still hear it. It's a little bit fainter because he gets up off the couch to demonstrate the footwork that how had to improve upon and what he where he was at before and where he was at now, why it made a difference, et cetera. So he gets up to demonstrate some of that. That's why it gets a little bit harder to hear. So I'm just preempting the complaints because they always, you know, whatever. So social media. But anyway, just understand that. And you know, one of the things that is hard for us on the outside is to always know what is the footwork supposed to be on a particular route. And I think, and one of the things he does is explain how it mattered and where it made a difference. And you could see it in the Baltimore finale, for example, there was a play where Chris Paul gets pushed back into his lap. Well, Chris Paul, I'm, anybody who wants to oh, Chris Paul you know, did, lost his battle. Well, the reality was Paul had to get deeper on the play, and he did not. And so it disrupts the timing of the route, and he's sitting there waiting for a guy to get open about several yards in front of where he should be and leads to a sack. So things like that, where that's, those, that's some of the progress he made throughout the year and it's how it manifested itself in the Dallas game some of the plays that he made we go over a couple of the plays he made just why they you know why it gives him confidence going forward one of the things we didn't talk about was, excuse me, how after the interception that he threw, that he came back out pretty strong. But when he came to the sidelines after the pick, the first thing he told Rivera is what he did wrong. And that resonated with the coach because he understood where the mistakes were. One of the things that Howell's going to have to be really good at this year is taking care of the ball because one of the reasons they picked Emmanuel Forbes was to change that turnover margin. They understand how important that turnover margin is to winning and losing It starts with taking the ball away more times. They only had nine interceptions last year. I think it's the last two years, it's 20 combined. And that's like either 28th or 29th in the NFL. It's bad. So they want to take the ball away more, but they also got to give it away less. And that goes back to Howell, and that's going to be part of his development. The good thing for this team is if Howell doesn't progress the way they want him to, then you have Jacoby Brissett behind him, a a veteran who can come in, I think would be a good fit with what they have here if Howell shows that he's not progressing. Now, as far as his progress, Brissett should be ahead of him before when they get out to the spring because he's played. I mean, he's played a lot. But the key will be, what does is, what is Howell look like at the end of May? What does he look like in minicamp? What does he look like when they come back for training camp? How does he progress? Because if he doesn't show the progress, then you can turn to Brissett. So um, that's, that's one of the things we get into. Couple other things. Um, there's also the Andrew Luck situation, and listen, I, I'm the one who put out there that they certainly had certainly had um, considered him during this whole process. Now they did not call him. I had that in the initial article last week. They did not call him. That shouldn't have been written that way, um, and so that got fixed. And that that's my that was my doing. So, but it got fixed because that it, it, I knew that didn't happen, but it's led to this other situation with Ursay pushing the league to now investigate it. I will say this team feels pretty good about where it's at. What I do know is last year, the whole point of including him in there was to show the due diligence that they did in going after a quarterback last year and how different it was this year to the point where last year, they even, you know, they even wondered about this guy or did whatever. And so um, they didn't, Again, they didn't call luck based on people I talked to. they didn't they didn't call his agent, so it really never went anywhere far. And so that's why I don't think that this investigation will go anywhere and and you know certainly does seem like Ursay was pushing for it. so but again, this team feels pretty good about what they did and how they handle it. It was just that when you're looking at a quarterback and here's a guy that's like, hey, what about this guy? And then, you know, quickly he gets crossed, out, you know, he gets crossed off the list because you realize, well, he's still he's obviously still retired and the Colts have the rights, blah, blah, blah. So move on. Anyway, that's one thing. And then um, one of the things you need to know is that on May 10th, which is Wednesday, the NFL Finance Committee will be meeting in New York. It's part of a regularly scheduled meeting it would you know, clearly the commander's situation would, would be a part of a discussion. I don't know if Josh Harris will be there to present to the group. At one point, I had seen it reported that he would. Talked to somebody last week where they weren't sure that he would. So I don't know um, if I find out tomorrow, I'll put it on social media. But you know, you you do wonder what does that does that lead? The fact that they're meeting again, a scheduled meeting ahead of the meetings later this month in Minnesota. So this is not like it was done just for the sale. This is part of what they always do but could it lead to some updates for the commander sale so that's something you should stay tuned as well and then of course on Thursday is the NFL schedule release <clears throat> not going to do a I'm not Kevin Sheehan I'm not going to do a mock schedule prediction here I will remind you in addition to the division foes at home they play Arizona, San Francisco, Buffalo, Miami, Chicago. Sounds like a tough schedule. On the road it's the Rams, Seattle, Patriots, Jets, Falcons and Denver. So it is a it is a on paper, looks like a challenging schedule, and that's why this team has to get off to a good start. Um, so there you go. We'll figure all that stuff out on Thursday. I'm not going to do a podcast after the schedule comes out because I'm going to be doing one on Friday after we have a chance to watch the rookie minicamp, the rookies for the first time, get our first look at Emmanuel Forbes, um, Martin, all those guys, Stromberg, Rodriguez, KJ Henry, all that group. And, and all the undrafted free agents as well. So and we'll also be on the field and see how does an Eric Bienemy, what kind of energy and impact does he make with those rookies? I'm going to be talking about Bienemy in one minute. Um, so but anyway, so we get I'll have a podcast that comes out uh, Friday night because we're in, we're gonna be out there. The practice won't end until around three. We're not gonna get done with interviews until around quarter to six. So I'm gonna record one after that and put it out there for you, just with some impressions of what we saw and heard during that rookie mini camp. Workout. So that's it. And now I told you about the enemy. So I wanted to just talk about him for a minute because I think, and I'm going to harp on this because people keep talking about the offense. Understandably, it's been bad. We've all seen it. We know how bad it's been for too long. But the biggest impact I think that they have, or the the biggest impact someone can make, could be the enemy. I think that's such a poorly. Poorly structured and word um, stated sentence, so I apologize. I think Biennemi could have a big impact. How's that? That's a better way to say it. Because of what he can add, it's the attention to detail. It's the demanding nature that he has. It's the energy that he brings. And, you know, play calling gets a lot of uh, attention by everybody because, like, you can see it. We all see the plays. that They work. It's a great play. This guy's plays usually work. Hey, it's great. Could be the quarterback just makes a play, Right. But it's also an adherence to details. So sometimes these plays, you would see some plays not work because a guy might take a wrong step. A guy might run a wrong route or not run it to the right depth. It's going to happen. It's not like everybody that has a good offense is so great and everybody does it, but there is isn't it, there is an adherence to details that makes a difference. And I think that's kind of been a little bit lacking here, to be honest. And I think that's one thing that is in Biennemi's wheelhouse so how does that play out? If you're, if receivers are not getting to the right depth all the time, well, you have a guy, I think, that's going to let it be known that you have to get to this depth because this is the reputation he has. All that's a big deal. The other part of it is, too, and I give Ron Rivera credit on this, is that he listens to the input. For example, <clears throat> they're going to change their practice times for training camp. I don't know the exact practice time they're going to have, but in the past it would be 9 a.m., why? Because it was the first thing they did. They'd have a meeting the night before, they go from that, they break, and they go into their practice first thing in the morning. So you take the meeting and then you go, you sleep, recharge, go out to practice. Well, now what they're going to do is they're going to start with a meeting and then they're going to go into practice. And the reason is, and this is what Biennemi's suggestion is my understanding, because you have a young quarterback learning a new offense. So he wanted to make sure that he can take what he learns in the classroom and then go out to the field, and it just—he felt like it would hasten the pro, or you know, certainly improve or help the progress of Howell and the offense. But I think that's why they want to do it. And Rivera agreed to change because you know you get some coaches are reluctant to change. I think over the last year we've seen more change from Rivera, getting rid of Sam Mills, getting rid of Scott Turner, two guys that have been with them for a while. But he knows that you you know I my my. One of my former coaches that I covered, Mark Joran, who coaches baseball at Madison High School, a wildly successful high school coach, but his phrase was always, you always do what you always done, you always get what you always got. So I think part of what Rivera has done this offseason in terms of his staff is he shook things up. And, and then the biggest shakeup clearly was on offense. And he's listening again, he's taking the input from Bienemy. Um That was a big change, and I know, like schematically, it may not seem like a monstrous change. I don't think, but it's the terminology that's always the 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 adjustment for players, and especially for a young quarterback. So there was a change, and he could have Rivera could have gone a safer route with a Pat Shermer or someone like that who has more of experience in this offense to keep things the same for Howell. But Rivera, you know, the eventually you get to point say if you're going to change you may as well change and get the guy you want, not the guy you think you need to settle for. So that's what they did. And I think you're also going to see like um, when when the coaching titles get shaken out, I think you'll eventually see like Juan Castillo be a run game coordinator and maybe somebody else you know, elevated to the more, the day-to-day operations with the tight end or coaching of the tight ends. It's like Trevelle Wharton eventually will be named the old line coach, but that's, again, some of those moves will be will take place once they get the ownership situation settled. But that staff is here, but there is, there's, you know, Ken Zampezi has a different role you bring in a Tavita Pritchard to, to be a quarterback's coach. So they, they did shake things up a little bit. Now it has to work. It has to work. And a lot of it's going to rest on how and the beauty of it is we can all have our guesses about what he's going to do. And you can have, you can have your, you can have your absolute faith that he's going to be a good quarterback for them because who can tell you otherwise right now we have, we don't know. And the beauty of it is it'll, it will see on the field. It'll be settled on the field. But it starts with, I think the big change was with the enemy and the energy he brings and all the other issues, uh, things that factors that I just talked about. I think those are things that you can't underestimate. Has to play out on the field. I'm going to stress that because there is, you're playing, you're playing a good schedule and then you're going to have an adjustment to a new offense, to new terminology. And with the young quarterback, that often leads to an early bumps in the road. That's why that defense has to really kind of kick it into action early on. And that running game has to be good early on as well. But that defense especially has to really kind of show up early in the season uh, for so the offense can kind of work its way into what it can be. Anyway, that's it from me. So here's my conversation with Washington Commanders coach, Ron Rivera. Did you know the largest ropes course in Zipline Park in the country is right here in the DMV? Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and ziplining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground, give axe throwing a try, with their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic tac toe, connect for, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME 23DC at checkout. That's KIME K E I M 23DC. So there you have it, folks climbing, zip lining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code KIME 23DC. You kind of covered a lot of things, so. Um, But the one thing I want to get with is with Sam. Digging a little bit deeper. Some of the, like, you talk about some of the growth. Do you remember specific times when you saw that growth, like specific plays or moments? We'd
0: be in practice, and the first thing you would hear from defensive guys is, I was trying to make that play. I just couldn't get to the ball. Really? You know, I I mean, and it's it's that old saying that players know players. Right. And so as you listen to them talk about you know, God, his ball was so catchable, When he threw that to the you know, only spot. So then you go back and you watch it in practice. I mean, you watch it in film after practice, and you, I mean, the one thing that we should have done, and we can still do it. But while I was going through it, one of the things I should have done was I should just started compiling all the clips of all of the throws. And we can do it now, right? And as we go back and review it, and I know, I know that that's you know that you can have a real good library of throws, right? I mean, his deep balls. You know the accuracy in which you started to really see it come along. Now, a lot of those things were off the cards. Okay. But when we got in that stretch where he was the number two, dressing every week, and you really watch those throws. Okay. You watch those, those, um, those, uh, those reps that he got, and. In you know, the show team. Yes. No. 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 When he was. Oh, oh, when, oh, okay, when, okay. when he was the backup. Gotcha. Oh, get okay. the first team rep. Right. One gotcha. of the things that one of the things that was done was. We had a specific period where he would, he took the whole period. Gotcha. We had a specific period where he would take a few snaps, and so he got to get those extra snaps. Okay. And you, that's when you really got to see it. And now that stuff was 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 against the carded defense. Now, when he was doing the, uh, uh, the show team, is where you saw the the, the throws at, Okay. You know, because it's one of those things that you sit there as a coach and say, well. I want the defense to make this, you know, to 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 to, to play this specific route. Well, if they're playing a specific route and there's a specific combination, well, in their mind's eye, they know what's coming on defense. But yet, he
1: still made the throw, and that's what was impressive. And then in the game. Talk about like if remember like um, the interception. He came right over and said he knew this. Were there other examples like that in the game? Where's like you know whether whether it was a quick decision based on what he saw? Yes. That highlights. would you remember some of those? Yes. Well,
0: I mean the the, the biggest one, or not the biggest, one, but a couple of the bigger ones being what he did when he saw um, when he when he hit um, Jahan on the on the shallow crosses a couple times. He hit him quickly. He got the ball out right between defenses, defenders, and the plays were made. The, the throw on Terry for the touchdown was about as good as he gets. I mean, just Why, that, why was that? Because the timing of it? It's The timing of it because he, he knew he had a, a, a choice op, uh, option for Terry. He had to shake the guy and get past him and he hit him in stride where Terry never had it. there was never any, any stutter he just keep Brandon brand right is th- Was that something he reads at the line or is it something that he's just like that's the call it's, that's what you- it's something you read at the line because okay. you sit there and you say okay what, 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 what are, oh we got man coverage here okay well what they did was they dropped it and the, 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 the hole player the shallow hole player the, you know we call it the, we call it the rat or whatever right. you want to call it he turns and he now absorbs Terry and his defender stops and now he's the hole player well, Altair, shake the guy and win, and it's one of those things that you see as it as it either develops or you see it pre-snap, and he,
1: he got a good pre-snap on it. The other thing that I'd hear about before the draft, you guys worked, talked a lot about footwork, and that was a concern, I think, yes, of some that was the one thing. that's one thing we Correct. talked
0: about, too, though. Right. Because when you saw it, because of his, 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 his quick twitch and his ability to get the ball out, in some, some of those things he gets lazy. Well, we saw it in the, in the Baltimore preseason game when – Instead of taking his quick shuffle to make it a five-step drop, he just kind of took the ball. He took the snap. And, and, you know, so from where he takes the snap, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a five-step drop. Right. Well, this, this particular route combination calls for the, 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 the five-step drop. So if you take the snap and you just shuffle your feet and now you're throwing, you didn't get any deep right. What happens on that part is if, if I take the snap, I'm taking the snap. I shuffle my feet, so I get the snap, I shuffle my feet. Now I'm at the five-step position I need to be. Well, that's part of the timing in the route. Okay. See, because if, if I don't take that step, those steps, there's no timing and space between me and the receiver as far as the route's concerned. I'm not letting the route unfold before I take my eyes and I put my eyes on it. Okay. What I may do is I may take that snap, whip my eyes over there, and guess what? My eyes are already there. I'm just waiting for him to come clear. Now what happens? The defender gets to read where I'm throwing the ball, and now he's breaking it. You see what happens yep. on it? Yep. And that was the concern, one of okay. the things that I worried about. Well, so now the Baltimore game, you see him, he just shovels his feet. So you see him clearly looking where he wants to throw it, but the problem also is there's no time and space for the pass rush. So my, so What's happening is, and it happened to Chris Paul, Chris Paul's fighting this guy here and he's grudgingly giving ground, but guess what? If he doesn't move, right, and I keep pushing as a pass rusher, and I keep pushing, and he hasn't gotten that extra two yard depth, what happens? He's in his lap, and, and that's where those sat, couple of those sacks okay. came. And that's what I was talking about. Okay. And that's so, a how does he how did he correct all that? Because like just through practice, just through Kenny working with him and explaining to him, hey, got to get your depth. This is why there's time and space that's involved as far as routes are being run and
1: protection. So the last thing I want you can tip it. But the last thing I want to ask you about is about um, the ownership stuff and just. More so, like, again, what you learned and anything specifically, like, is it about, do you almost treat it like it's another job interview? It is, because it's all about presentation and about what
0: you do going forward. Understanding the reasons of why you did things, you know. One of the things that <clears throat> I kind of wish I had done a little bit more is gone through what I had previously gone through with, 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 with my ownership in Carolina so that the new ownership understood why we did the things we did so i'll be very clear about hey my first three years these were the things that we wanted to do well what happened this year this year i made decisions to do certain things made a decision these are why i made decisions to change my coordinators. these are the decisions that we're doing right now and this is what we really feel is this opportunity to roster build okay pure roster build saying this is about going forward this is not about now i don't even think i'm trying to do anything because i'm desperate i'm doing things the right way Okay, because at the end of the day, if they're not happy and they want to let me go, great. But at least the roster is in the position that if you come in with this philosophy saying, we got to build what we got right now, the quarterback is the right guy, the running game is in place, and we got five playmakers. Okay, and when I say that, I'm talking about three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. Those are your five playmakers on the field at a time, you can feel good that this team is going forward. That's what I'm doing. Okay, I'm not worried about what, what the decision is after a year. What I'm worried about is making sure that this roster is being built, it's in place, and if I leave, I leave it in a good position. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it.
1: That's it for this episode. Thanks to Ron Rivera for joining me, and thank you, as always, for tuning in. Uh, Like I said, I'll be back on Friday wrapping up what we saw at the Commander's Rookie Minicamp. Talk to you next time.